This is Faster, a podcast by Flow Cycling. In each episode, we interview industry experts to educate you, challenge you, and even change the way you train so you become faster. Have you ever been to a race and wish that you could have previewed the course beforehand? Wouldn't it be great to get a feel for a course when you're not close? When an athlete has this advantage, they enter race day with more peace of mind. Ben Nobury at My Windsock has been obsessing about this idea for some time. My Windsock provides a descriptive look at a course based on weather data and rider data to help you understand that the hill you're about to climb normally has a headwind. This data allows the athlete to mentally prepare ahead of time for the course so that you're not adjusting on the fly. My Windsock also uses advanced algorithms to help you predict times on a course and tells you the right places to apply power for your race to optimize your time. Listen to this episode to learn how to cheat the wind and prepare yourself for your next event so you can become faster. When we're not creating this podcast, we're working on other ways to make you faster. At Flow, we design and manufacture some of the world's fastest cycling wheels that we sell consumer direct to keep more money in your pockets. As a special thank you for listening to Faster, we wanted to offer you 20% off your next purchase. Simply use coupon code PODCAST in all capital letters at checkout. Your purchase will also support our Give Back initiatives. 1% of all sales supports our Bike for a Kid program, where we provide bikes and helmets for kids in need. We also plant one tree for every wheel we ship as a thank you to our planet. Enjoy the show. Ben Norbury, welcome to Faster. How are you doing today? Thanks very much, John. Uh, lovely to be here. I'm doing fine. Thank you. Excellent. So you're over in the UK and you're doing some really, really cool stuff. Something called My Windsock, which I'm really excited to talk about today. But before we get into that, uh, I hear this is your very first podcast, so I'm excited to uh, oh, yeah. have you on. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, uh, yeah, be gentle with me. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no worries at all. So I, like I say, we'll start off with the best question. Tell us a little okay. bit about yourself and background in sport and, and, and professionally. Awesome. Okay. Uh, well, uh, I mean, I came to cycling very late. It was uh, my late 20s. Um, uh, and then up until that point, it was really... Um, a very sedentary lifestyle, um, pacified with um, junk food. So, yeah, I, I wasn't in the best uh, state. I, I think mentally, as much as physically, I think it was uh, a bit of a, um, I was in a bit of a quagmire. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, I was I was making um, uh, products for other people, online products. Um, yep. So I was essentially make, um, uh, doing. Uh, what I've done for my windsock, but it was on behalf of other people. Um, mm-hmm. And that was, I loved it. You know, it, it's uh, really what I'm, I'm passionate about is making stuff. Um, and I was, I mean, I started, I started doing that um, when I was in my mid-teens. Um, and then, uh, as I say, you know, it, it was it's quite an isolating experience because I was working very much on my own in an office that I uh, rented. And, you know, you just become a bit, disconnected from the world and yeah. uh i uh so i was basically doing that and then so you reach this point where you, you think oh, something's got to change uh and i remember thinking to myself i wish i could find something uh to obsess about that was positive uh to my <laughs> life you know all that energy that you spend uh that goes into uh you know the, the negative things and uh, you know if they could just channel that energy into something that was very positive uh, and then just, you know, that was just at the point that the Olympic Games uh, were, were in London uh, and yep. Bradley Wiggins had won the Tour de France, it was 2012, and, and cycling just took off in the UK. It was um, massive. So I I kind of uh, got swept along with that and I saw the Tour of Britain, uh, they came near nearby where I lived and I went and saw it and it just looked amazing. Uh, I, I had tried running at that point to see if we could get, could, uh, get fit that way. And I just realized that you can only do so much running before your ankles start to really ache. Uh, so, yeah. you know, to pacify that, you know, that obsessive personality, if you if any, doing anything that destroys your body like that uh, really isn't isn't the best way to go. So cycling was perfect because you can just spend many hours on a bike and uh, you, you can uh, just keep punishing yourself as much as you like. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah, I, I um, then I joined a, um, a local cycling club because I knew in order to have this sort of this obsession fulfilled, this uh, this channeling of energy, I had to put it into something that would keep me accountable. So, racing was really the thing that I wanted to do. 
and uh, so I looked, you know, how do you do a bike race? And time trials were just so simple to start. You know, they, in this country, they happen pretty much every week evening during the summer. Um, you you, uh, uh, you you can choose any number of uh, different uh, time trials um, operated locally. And then, so yeah, so I went along to a, the local one, which was like a hilly time trial. I didn't do too badly. I was sort of... Um, embraced by everybody it was such a, a positive um uh, you know group of people that i met and it just kind of kept on uh, becoming more and more of my life uh yep and after that you know it, I, I managed to to win four regional titles uh for in time trialing so best all-rounder 50 miles 100 miles 12 hour champion all that, all that sort of stuff which, which was just kind of I guess I don't know how much is physical ability or whether it's just that, you know, tenaciousness of just sort of getting, getting very narrow focus with a, a particular thing and uh, yep. going all in on it. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's amazing. So it sounds like you're doing a lot of like web development or things like that for other people. It was. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. It, precisely what it was. yeah. And then you fell into love with the sport and now yeah. it sounds like you've kind of merged the two of those loves together and it led you to create my windsock. So Tell us a little bit about my windsock and 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 how you got uh, on that on that path. Yeah, so the the start of my windsock was <laughs> it it always uh, amused me at the start of time trials, and I'd be doing the same. That everybody's discussing which way uh, the wind's blowing, and yep. you could ha- you can have people arrive at the course that have ridden in, and they could have have ridden together to the HQ and they would have completely different opinions of which way the wind was blowing. So it, it seemed to me that there must be a better way of us, you know, being quite definitive about uh, which, which way the weather, uh, the wind's going to be. Uh, so it kind of started with that, but then, you know, there was this sort of obsess- obsessiveness that I needed to fill as well. So it kind of, you can only train so much. Um, and then there's all this time off the bike where you, you're thinking about nutrition and, and training and, and you know, how we can do that sort of stuff. And another way to pacify that really was to start building stuff that would help me perform better on race day. Uh, so it was really from that kind of, I really wanted to scratch this cycling itch. You know, you've got people around you that are um, asking these same questions. And it, so my windsock came, became this um this channel of energy to to kind of answer the the, the questions that I'd pop up in my head either before a race or in a race or after a race you know particularly things which are, are quite um important to us such as you know I I put out my best power in this particular race and I didn't go any faster or I went slower than on a previous day where I put out less power like why was that you know where, where did that energy go um you know was it me was it something that's absorbed all the air energy that you just can't um put the you, uh, can't see. you know yeah, yeah. You, you just can't yeah. put any particular sort of metric to value it, on it yeah, yeah 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 so exactly. um yeah it was just that one of those things that uh needed to be answered in my head uh so to to be able to uh actually build something you know have have the the uh the tools available um you know through software development to actually start answering doing some number crunching because i you know i'm not a, a meteorologist or anything like that but i i just kind of have this energy for you know if i need to find something else i'll, I'll just uh find it out you know and, and uh act upon it so what's the elevator pitch for my wind cycle? what what is what is it that you're solving for tell us a little bit about that process uh well the other, luckily i haven't had to um, because it's been so organic the the development of my windsock the uh i haven't really formulated an elevator pitch as such but um i i had a quick go <laughs> before doing so i guess it's the assisting athletes to achieve their optimal performance through the analysis of course dynamics uh is one way of putting it so you're basically taking, you know, somebody knows the course that they're going to ride. Mm-hmm. Um, you've obviously taken some metrics from them, obviously maybe their power or, you know, some data that they have. You can look at historical weather data and then you can help them um, understand the best way for them to execute that race, power numbers and certain things like that while they're riding the course. Is that accurate? We can do that. There's 
there's two elements to my windsock. There's a descriptive yep. side. So we yep. describe the conditions, uh, which helps to demystify race day. Uh, you know, it reduces the amount of surprises on the day. Um, and then there's a more prescriptive element. Um, and the descriptive element, I guess, also goes to post-race analysis as well. But the prescriptive element, I think, is what you're talking about there, where you can actually uh, crunch some numbers, do some experiments with uh, our virtual athletes that then uh, will tell you where on the course you get the most reward for, uh, you know, maybe expending it a little bit more energy or uh, being more aerodynamic in a particular place in the course. Or similarly, like, you can also find out whereabouts on the course can you give yourself a, a small rest break because, you know, that extra energy isn't going to get you too much more. Would a, a mental reset, physical reset do you some good in, at that particular point as well? Yep. Uh, and that, as I say, that, that goes for whether it's uh, power or aerodynamics. You can run these, uh, uh, these experiments uh, that will help you, uh, it, you know, shine a bit of light on, on, uh, on these fundamentals of the course. Yep. Okay. Well, that makes some sense. So, um, what's the other way? You say there's like the applied, and then the, and then there's the predictive. So, what, what's the what's the other component of it? So, if, so if the not descriptive, the yeah, descriptive, so, yeah, yeah. The the descriptive side is really, uh, it. I, I this is more the the psychological component. Uh, okay. In in my windsock, which is preparing the athlete uh, ahead of time to uh, to have their best performance. So you're, uh, it. There, there was a particular race that this reminds me of, of um, where I was. I entered myself into a hill climb, mm-hmm. and I'd done this hill climb before, and I arrived at, uh, at where I thought the meeting place was, and nobody was there, and I was getting a little bit worried because the start time was coming very close. So I went looking around, and I found everybody actually on the other side of the hill. So it was called, it was the same hill, but we were using a, a different road that I'd never ridden up before. So I was going to have to race up this road that was completely unknown to me. And I had no clue at how long this was going to take me. And, and as an athlete, that, that's an impossible, you, you know, to, to say, go as hard as you possibly can for yeah. an undetermined amount of time. That, that's, a, that's an impossible task to do. So it's kind of like the complete opposite to, of windsock at that, at that particular uh, in that particular scenario so really kind of uh having these all the questions of race day asked of what what's the the environment going to be like that i'm going to have to perform well in so how long is mm. it first of all how long is it going to take me and yeah. then then secondly uh well th- th- that's kind of like you know the test where they you know they put somebody in a room and it's already hot and the body already down regulates it's you know what what work rate it's willing to do. I think it's yep. very, there must be more that we can tap into with that. So the more that we can learn about the environment, the better the body and mind connection will be to actually produce the best result on the day. So yeah. if, if I can describe the scene better through, through the charts and everything like that, uh, or the metrics. So we, we have things like, um, uh, 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 feels like elevation, that tells you what the elevation will, uh, what the feels like of the the wind will be in the equivalent equivalent elevation. So, you know, if we know what it's like to climb a particular hill, but if you do the same with wind, you know, if you equate it in that same way, so you put some numbers on the wind in the same way that we understand hills to be, uh, you know, a, a particular uh, um, uh, difficulty level, if you like. Then, then you know it starts to tap into these things that we all already know about, and we can just form this better picture of uh, yeah. of what race day is going to be like, and what the ultimately the, the physiological challenge is going to be on the and, and the mental challenge is going to be on the day. Yeah. So let's say someone wants to go do a race. Um, how are you getting the course data and the routes? You call them routes. So how do you get that information? Does somebody have to like physically go ride it? Do you have a bunch of them already in a database? Yeah. Do they like? How does that happen? Uh, th- there's many ways that you can get a route into uh, Windsock, and it's the the best way to do it is actually go and ride the course yourself, but very slowly. Okay. And so if if you go and ride a course very slowly, then you get very finite, very fine, sorry, uh, um, information about the elevation of the course, 
Uh, faster, yep. one, faster riders actually produce you know, worse uh, elevation profiles because they've covered the little bumps before uh, the, the uh, barometers managed to update on the GPS device. Uh, so that's one way. So that would be like the gold standard way of getting a course within, uh, within Windsock, um, which is quite convenient because we have Strava segments, which are essentially where somebody has pre-ridden a course for you. So if yep. you can grab a Strava segment, that would work in the same way as a route. Uh, or you could use a uh, another service like Ride with GPS or Commute, and you can actually link the, those services to Windsock, and you can um, find the the route uh, just through through a few button taps in in Windsock, and that will load up. Uh, the first thing you'll see is the the latest weather forecast for that course at that particular point in time. But then you can set any time and date uh, for the the forecasting to. To, to be begin from, yeah, definitely that makes that makes total sense. So, we talked a little bit about um, the prediction component of it. So, there's the um, one of your I would say biggest competitors would be somebody like Best Bike Split. They're known for segment prediction. What is mm-hmm. it that makes your uh, my windsock different from what they do on the yeah. prediction side? Yeah, yeah, I, I haven't used Best Bike Split for quite a while, so I. Yeah. Um, uh, it wouldn't. Yeah, I, I'd struggle actually to to say um, what the service is. I, I know it's very good. Um, it's a very good service. Um, yeah. But I, I guess um, my <laughs> it might be unfair because because um, uh, I, I don't really use Best Buy's bits. But uh, I guess fundamentally, that I think they are going more for the prescriptive route. So they are, yeah. are, are, are trying to tell you exactly what to do. I guess we're trying to do both the descriptive and prescriptive. So we're giving you the tools to uh, immerse yourself into the pre-race, the environment of the race pre-race, and then yep. also uh, do some experiments where you can actually learn a little bit about how the physics of the race is going to work for you, uh, which is very, very um, uh, uh, specific to your your particular performance and your your race and and, and the, the forecast for the day. So you go on and then during the week the the forecast will update and everything like that and and you'll get a narrower and narrower more accurate um, uh, reflection of what race day will be like. Um, so yep. I guess that that's that we're kind of bridging the the, the descriptive and the prescriptive um, uh, sides of uh, segment um, predictions. Uh, that makes total sense, and I get that. Um, I think that's great that that you have the both of those combined in there together. You know, there there is a there is an element. I mean, I always think of this story. I was I got a, a very fortunate to get to go to Kona most years for Ironman World Championships, and I think it was one of my first years there. I I had a bike over there and I was riding, and I figured I would take this turn on this road, and it was about twenty percent grade, and I, f- I figured okay, I'll just keep I'll just keep going, and I just kept going and going and going, and I'm like, where does this end? I have no idea, you know. And I just well, got to a point before the race. Before no, the race. I was I oh. was not racing. I was not racing. Oh. I was okay. there as, oh. you know. This, this <laughs> but man, I got up to this point, and I you know, and I I didn't think it was going to be this long, and I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing, and I get to a point where I said, I have no understanding where this is going to go, so I just said, okay. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna turn around. I mean, it was, it was it was huge. It was this big monster hill. But that's oh, I mean, that's oh, Hawaii, right? It's, yeah, it's pretty much yeah. all up well, from the ocean. Yeah. Well, well <laughs> we, I would we have loved sim- to have had my windsock. I would exactly. have known when yeah, I could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Well, we had a similar thing that was, uh, I there was a time trial and it, and it was known. It was on actually run once this way round. We actually altered the, the start and end points. But it was known as the highest starting uh, time trial in the UK, so it had the highest point of the start, um, and uh, the HQ was at the bottom of the hill. So this was a sport, a sporting course. So it was, um, uh, I think it was probably about twenty miles or so of a very rolling terrain, and uh, we went up the steepest side just to get to the start. Uh, I I cheated because um, I had a lift there, so I I, I said, well, I'm just going to pop my bike on top of the car and, and uh, get driven to the top. But I I could I felt so bad because I could see everybody else were were like then uh, slogging the way up the hill to just start this uh, this event, and it was uh, yeah. But so sometimes maybe you should uh, recce the the uh, 
the trip to the start line from HQ because uh, that yeah. might have some hidden surprises. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so if someone does want to do any of the predictive stuff, what kind of gear do they need? Do they need like a just a power meter? Do they need anything else? What what is required in order to get a, a good accurate prediction? The, um, so the more information that you feed Winsock, the more um, you'll you'll get out in terms of accurate um, predictive data. Um, a lot you can do without. I mean, we do forecasting for you know the local club run and everything like that. So you you don't really need. To get a forecast, it's it you know some some ballpark numbers thrown in will will give you uh, uh, it will tell you where the wind's going to be blowing around the course. Uh, it will tell you you know when where the rain's going to start. All that sort of stuff will will just happen pretty much. But to get a a really good race uh, prediction, you tend to need to know your power numbers. Uh, but we do. I mean, in the, in the post race analysis, you can learn a lot without a power meter uh, because we factor the wind and the environment into into the power estimates. So if you don't have a power meter, then you know the estimate's going to be a little bit better than services which simply go off uh, the elevation changes. Uh, so that you know, if you don't have a power meter, then not not all is lost in that regard because you can still learn from that. And if you press it, there's actually a button that will actually look back on your past rides and suggest the power numbers. For, for this particular duration um, for you. So you, you, if your power and everything like that is a little bit uh, mystified for you, then you know, uh, you'll still get by with a prediction and a, um, a, uh, an understanding of what the, the course will be like for you. Uh, but obviously then if, if you have a power meter, then this opens up so many um, more avenues in terms of uh, to, uh, being able to control your race performance on the day, because obviously you, you can then uh, actually uh, enact the the race plan out uh, that that you've uh, uh, come up with. Um, so, and and actually, we're working with some companies now which produce on the bike weather stations uh, that will you know collect even more data. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So um, there's a fantastic product called Notio which uh, collects uh, weather data. Uh, the airspeed data for you and various other things and um yeah i'm sure you've heard of it and uh uh we're simply you know the more information that we can collect about a uh, uh a particular race event or, or or ride the the more information we can give you back out in terms of that analysis Excellent. and it, the more accurate it will be as well yep um as far as weather goes um what are you using to predict weather and how do you use it? Uh, I'm not quite sure. So, like where so, are you getting your your weather data from? Are you pulling it from like local satellite, like local weather stations, or and then like once you get that weather data, yeah, are you using like some type of calculation to calculate CDA for the for the athletes? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're we're getting the the weather data from um, so the the post race analysis. Uh, that that would be historic weather data. So the weather stations uh, around where you ride would have collected what the weather were, weather was at that particular point. Uh, so what we do is we take where you are along the course and we look for the most uh, accurate data for that particular point and time. Uh, so it's a it's what we call a rolling forecast. So it's not you see a, a lot of uh, uh, sort of cycling weather things, and it's really from the start location that it gives you like a a stamp of what the uh, uh, thing, but what we actually do is we go point to point around the course, and we do the same for the um, prediction, which is really why the predictions started because I, I wanted to know what the conditions for the course were going to be like for when I got there, and you know if you're traveling, I mean doing twelve hour time trials, you cover a lot of, of uh, distance, so just simply knowing what and time, uh, so simply knowing what something's going to be like at the beginning. Uh, isn't isn't going to be very much to used to you. So uh, the 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 beginning of the predictive stuff was that I needed something to actually go and ride the course for me to start uh, collecting the weather data. So I knew exactly where to pull the weather data from and at what point in time to to uh, collect it from. Uh, so yeah, so we kind of create so we collect the data from you know external sources and then we we do our own. Um, 
pooling of that information and analysis to, to give you the most accurate data for your particular time and location. Okay, that's cool. So you're basically able to do post stuff and then even while riding or using it, your prediction can be updated in real time because you're able to pull that data in while you're riding. Uh, yeah, I mean, we don't we don't have an on-bike update or big um, tool at the moment. Uh, it's, it's the... So it'll be on your phone beforehand or on your laptop beforehand. You'll, you'll okay. see the most up-to-date uh, version of that. Um, okay. Yeah, prediction. And the, it also sounds like you're doing some cool stuff with Strava uh, where you have, you can lay weather over the Strava, Strava leaderboard to see where you would have placed <laughs> on the same day that somebody else you know yeah. took the king of the mountain so yeah. maybe they preferred weather so talk about that that's a pretty cool so thing. yeah so that was by accident completely uh well i say by accident i before windsock i was dabbling around with various other sort of um it's just that thing if if you know how then you can <laughs> and you've got time you can just kind of um lose yourself solving all sorts of little problems and so before windsock i had a, another website which just had a collection of different tools where, for example, my um, if my power meter was overheating, and then, you know, with quarks, you get this offset that uh, uh, tells you that, uh, you know, kind of it's, it's miscalibrated and, and you've ended up with the wrong power number. So I had a tool that if you knew what your offset was supposed to be and then what it erroneously was, then it would adjust all your power and that sort of stuff. So I had, I had this website. And on, on there was also, I quickly knocked together the overlay of, uh, of of the weather onto um, segments, and it was it was very sort of from the starting point. As I say, you know, now it's kind of like it, it does the entire segment for everybody's sort of effort. It runs it for for you, and, and so it doesn't just tell you the start; it, it'll tell you what the weather like was throughout that segment effort. Uh, whereas at the time, on this time, it was kind of like just a very rudimentary ver- version of it. Um, but somebody at GCN must have seen that, but the, somebody at GCN also must have uh, also seen Ben Norbury and my windsock, and they'd kind of put the two together. So there was a, a GCN video that went out uh, that I was told about. It, it, it launched, and then the traffic to windsock went phenomenal. And I was like, where's all this traffic come from? And somebody um, messaged me and saying, you're on GCN. And on GCM, they basically said that my windsock did uh, segment leaderboard, um, the, the the weather on segment leaderboards, and I, and I thought it doesn't do that. So I I had this panic of all this traffic coming to the website that I thought people, you know, everybody's kind of get, going to windsock, going to go, it's not doing what what they they've told me that it's going to do, leaving disappointed and having a very sort of bad uh, experience with what I created, and then so I, I was furiously trying to program that night and it, I was up until the early morning like importing what I'd done somewhere else into Winsock so that it was somewhat <laughs> somewhat usable interface so it lit, it had what had been sort of touted on on GCN that uh, that day and luckily I managed to catch quite a lot of traffic because I was like different time zones wake up and see the video at different points in time but it was it was like a, a very much a um it's one of those founder stories where kind of like your 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 user base kind of tell you what they're they're really after, don't they? You know, if, if you suddenly get spiked in traffic because people are expecting it to do one thing, you better make sure it does that thing because yeah. <laughs> what a, what a way to add a feature you didn't think of. Somebody said it happened and it didn't, and then you made it overnight. That's yeah, a, exactly. that's a really yeah. cool story. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about uh, field testing. I know that um, you're doing some CDA predictions. What is it? What method are you using to do CDA prediction? Do you have your own, or using something like the Chung method? What What are you using to for CDA? It's pretty much a hybrid of the Chung method and um, some of our own um, stuff. So the Chung method uses virtual elevation, and it's kind of the gold standard for field testing. Really, into it. would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. So. We use that that methodology, but we add additional um, f- functionality to kind of uh, package it that is more user friendly. I feel well, it, it makes the process a bit simpler than using Golden Cheetah and, and, and you know sort of trying to get things to line up and, and everything. So the software we, we look for 
uh, closed loops. Uh, so where you cross the same point at a particular um, on, on a particular course. Uh, so we have these out, out and back courses for for our time trials, which are so good for this. So you can get a, a really good CDA measurement uh, every time you do a, a ten mile time trial, because we don't need to guess the the elevation. If we know that you're going to start and end in the same place, you know the elevation's got to match up at the end. So uh, we've we've kind of reduced a lot of the the head the headache out of using that, and also then we've built on top of that things which will uh, filter out breaking points within in the data as well. So we, we spot um, uh, areas where we are pretty certain that you've applied the brakes and then kind of stitch it up together so that they're no longer a factor. And the only caveat to that is that if you drag the brake, we don't know whether you're going up a steep hill or... <laughs> or whether you're using a brake. But if you use a, which you tend to do in a time trial, you know, if you come to a stop, then people tend to be the last of the late breakers uh, and, and it tends to be a, a good moment of braking. Um, but uh, yeah, so we, we do get good estimates um, uh, for, for CDA from doing that. Um, I would say that um, we are, uh, you know, as accurate as the, the Chung method can be. It, it, tend, that, it tends to be, well, it definitely is anything scientific like that. Then controlling the variables is really the the main uh, uh, problem uh, with anything like that. Uh, so that's really what uh, uh, you you have to look out for if you if you're doing anything like field testing is that making sure that the the things that you're testing are really the things that um, are are only are the things that the only things that you're um, going to be changing at that particular point. Yep. And yeah. once you get this CDA value, how accurate have you done any like verification to understand its accuracy or what have you done? Yeah. There? Yeah. So, well, we, we compare it ourselves against, um, you know, certainly what, what the Chung method in, in Golden Cheetah uh, produces. We've had great feedback from people which use WinSOC and then go tunnel testing. Uh, <laughs> people have messaged me saying, uh, uh, that they couldn't believe how close it was, uh, and but then it's also a very different. I feel it's a different number because the the num uh, like all of these tools have their place. Um, the you know the wind tunnel is a very sterile environment that you can control, uh, so it's brilliant. You know for for doing very fast testing uh, of anything, then you you get very good um, results from doing that. But then it's important that you. When, when you leave the wind tunnel, that you see how that translates to what you're doing on the road. And also, I, I, I feel that what we're doing with Windsock is making um, aero analysis more of a day-to-day -day habit so that it's something that we are day-to-day -day aware of. So if we're going away and we're doing a training ride, that we come back and we see a CDA number, that we, we are now uh, opening up a whole new uh, metric, which is informative to us so we, we can be conscious of it when we're out on a ride and we can do things like well i'm going to pay a special attention now to my uh position you know i'm going to make sure I'm, i am actually training in the position that I, I achieved in the in the wind tunnel and i can come away and, and come back and, and analyze my my ride and make sure i'm doing that and i can also see some variance in 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 what i'm you know my position is on the bike if i'm going out and doing loop testing i, I can do some uh, some you know some small changes to my position and, and see how that uh, affects the loops that I'm doing you know the the, the CDA calculations on the, each loop I'm doing so um, I, I feel like we're kind of lifting the lid on the day to day of people understanding their their aero efficiency uh, so yeah I, I feel that's our place in in that particular part of the market. Definitely. Do you do anything uh, regarding uh, CRR? Are you putting in sort of a flat value? Are you able to calculate CRR? It, um, how does it work? Yeah, rolling resistance is something that I'm determined to to uh, put into Winsock because, um, yeah, you're quite right. It, it is a fundamental um, to because CDA. What what we collect essentially with CDA when we're doing field testing um, is. Uh, it's kind of like all the unknowns variables put into a number, so we don't we don't truly know the drivetrain um, 
uh, efficiency, and we also don't truly know the volume resistance uh, of a, all the road surfaces that you're going to be travelling on. So there is there is it's built into that number or all, all these these things. Um, so what if you were to do any any field testing, then you would need to make sure that um, if if you want to do cross day field testing, so you're not you're not simply just doing a, a, a test on one piece of road on one day and, and looking at those results so you want him to do multiple days then you need to make sure you do it in the same location because and, and also use the same tires and the same inner tubes and, and, and the same pressures and all these sorts of things and also keeping the drivetrain just as clean and all that sort of stuff uh, so the, the it's you you have to approach it with like anything it is a, a scientific experiment so you as if you were in the lab but you have to do it exactly in that same mindset of controlling the variables um so I, I said about you know general riding and we're sort of like um you're putting the spotlight onto aeroness while you do any particular type of ride that that's good and well in, in that place and and it, it I, I truly believe it has a, uh, a real value but then if you want to do this finite um actual field testing in terms of getting you know which position is you know, do I go up slightly or down slightly from my current bar position or something like that? That really has to be done in a, in a very clinical way. Um, you bring up a really yeah. good point because, you know, when we designed the latest generation wheels that we have, we we yeah. did a lot of on-road testing, actually with a, um, an AeroLab sensor, uh, basically oh, the right. same thing as yeah. like a Nodeo. Yeah. Um, so we took about 18 months to really sort of define a protocol for measuring on-road rolling resistance. The, the biggest right. difference with on-road rolling resistance is that, you know, if you're riding and you even turn your head to look, you basically blow the test. <laughs> there are so many variables and so yeah, many things need yeah. to be controlled. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting though, because that, that isn't, it's an important thing to know. It because is. Because if you, if you are a time trial, because we, we don't race in the wind tunnel, we race no. on the open road. So the, the, those sort of things where you have that evidence of how much you do blow your result by moving your head. That's yep. like, it, it's it's kind of, like, oh, light bulb, you know, don't move your head yeah. because <laughs> yeah. this happens. I mean, obviously be safe if you have to look behind you for a traffic yep. or something like that. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it is so um, precise. The, the, the numbers that, the, the movements that you, to achieve a certain number uh, you know you, you, the smallest movements and changes, which even the imperceptible can be quite uh, perceptible in a in a metric like CDA. Yeah, definitely. And I'm I'm assuming that you know from ride to ride, you're really sort of depending on the individual because you know you could go out, you could have bottle placement could be different, you could be in a completely different position, you're riding the same course, you're doing this prediction, but you come back and the number is different. So really, it's it's got to be sort of. Like you say, if if you want to do any type of field testing, it's got to be somewhat uh, up to the user to be mm. sort of uh, scientific about what they're doing. Because yeah, I think your, the yeah. accuracy of what you would spit out would be greater the more consistent somebody uh, the user was. Yeah, the, the more you put into those uh, those small details, the more you'll you know you'll get out of uh, doing those sorts of uh, that sort of field test. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we are. It's it's like we've um, we've just been looking at the numbers between what people people's average CDA in the winter is compared to what it is in the summer, and yeah. it's it's really interesting to see the uh, the difference just the clothing. You know, you're taking off a jacket and putting on a jacket, and and those sort of things. You know, going from winter clothing to to summer clothing, the the dramatic effect that it has on your efficiency at moving through the air. But the, these are all like trends that you you can look at in winter. You can see the trend of your CDA over time, and if you're, uh, I mean, some people only load load in their their race files so from that you can you know that's really interesting as a trend line because you can you can see um how your you know you can see cda as a performance metric uh so um yeah so having yeah i think just having this number that people are become aware of um and it's something they can then see you know it it has its place both as as a scientific tool but also as a as 
trying to um, add it as a skill to the athlete as well. Yep. So let me ask you this. I want to ask you some questions. I know you you look at a lot of different files, a lot of different a lot of different data. So what are some of the things that you've learned? Number one, what is it, you know, about hills? Do you think that it's better for someone yeah. to keep the same wattage, to work harder up a hill? Do they stand up? Do they do they stay down? What how how do you effectively tackle a hill? Yeah, so hills are a little bit different to headwinds. Uh, because um, in in headwinds we're, we're dealing with multiples of you know, four compared to multiples of two with the the headwind in terms of where the energy is going to be going as you in, increase uh, you try to go faster. So a, a hill will pay you back a little bit more than a headwind will for actually um, putting a little bit more power in. People tend to put more power in if you go on any club run. <laughs> people yes. are you know, quite happily and content and they're chatting along on the flat. And then as soon as a hill comes along, everybody's uh, smashing it for some unknown reason. So it becomes a race to the, to the top. So it, I think people naturally see uh, hills as a you know, a moment to start pressing harder on the pedals. So I, I think there's there's some sort of inbuilt um, bias to, to putting power out on a hill. Um, I it, it doesn't pay you back in the same way with headwinds. Um, you, you tend to just suffer in a headwind because, as I say, you know the, that extra energy gets you less and less payback in a headwind. So usually, what happens with a headwind is that people get frustrated, and the, you know this is the whole thing of kind of knowing how long the headwind is going to be. If you can tap into that, you know exactly how long it's to pacify that because the role of the athlete is essentially to bargain with themselves about how much suffering they can deal with. So if you're if you're um if you know how long the headwind's going to be, you can pacify yourself of uh, it, it's going to be uh for this finite amount of time it's going to be this. I also know from my rolling speed from through windsock what my average speed at the end of the headwind's going to should be. Um so I, I've got this sort of I'm not going to hit my uh predicted average speed. You know, I know that it's not going to be, you know, the finishing point average speed it's going to be at this particular point in time, average speed. So I'm not chomping at the bit. I'm not getting impatient in that way. Um, so it kind of takes the pressure down a little bit when it comes to yeah. battling that headwind. Um, because the most important thing in a headwind is your aero efficiency. So the more aerodynamic you are, the, the easier you will go through the headwind. Yep. And that will pay you back many fold over you trying to crank out the watts by arching your back a little bit and your, sort of your head coming up and all that sort of stuff. So having that um, that contentment that, okay, I've just got to get through this 10-minute section of headwind. I know what my, you know, I'm on track. I can see by my average speed. It's, it's the same as the rolling average speed that I've seen in windsock or, you know, it, 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 um, it, you know, I, I'm, I'm comfortable at what I'm doing. Just nail nail the arrow. But then when you come to a hill, it, it might be slightly different. And it's very, very nuanced to every scenario because if you end up with headwinds on hills, then it's kind of like how, you know, how strong is the headwind compared to how steep the hill is and all these sorts of things. So this is really where you would go into to windsock and you would run an experiment. So you would tap a, a little bit more watts onto your yep. virtual athlete. So the virtual athlete will go and run the, 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 the course again. And then you'll see the variance in the difference in time. So you'll see where, okay, so if, if you add more watts across a course, you're going to go faster across the entire course. Yep. But it's really where did you go uh, faster than the average? So where did you get the most out of the, the power? So that we have a, a chart called the, Delta variance chart, which is very, very catchily titled, and that, <laughs> that <laughs> this is the problem because I I I think of these things and I I probably should spend more time actually thinking of the names of things so they're they're a little bit more palatable, <laughs> particularly for like podcasts and stuff. <laughs> but the delta variance so it shows you the variance of where you are uh, from from the change that you made. So if if the line goes green, it was a positive effect. And if it goes red, then that was 
a less positive effect. So if where it's green, whatever change you did. So if, it, if you put more watts in and this line goes green, it's saying that was a really good place to put the more watts, more watts in. But if it goes red, it's probably t it's telling you you probably wouldn't really prioritize whatever you change you've just made for that yep. particular part of the course. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I had a I had one of those runs last night where I was. I came around a corner that I normally come around. Uh, there was a, I, I was cruising down a hill, felt really good. And then I started working uphill and the wind hit me in the face. And I thought, Maybe that's why I felt so good going downhill. And then I, just, I'm, I was I like, oh same. man. Yeah. Oh, I had the same experience. So you, you end up miles away from home. Because yeah. You just you and your own little world of, of just, uh, oh wow, it's really easy today. And then yeah. you turn around and you realize, oh my God, this is going to suck. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you have to, like, I mentally bargained with myself. I, I went through all the, like in 30 seconds, it's like, well, you could cut the run short. You could, you could walk back. Maybe you could go back the other way. Maybe it's not as windy. And this was like, no, keep your run bargain. So I bargained with myself and I'm like, Bar okay, bargaining. I'm going to run into the headwind. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and I, I, it worked. It was a great run. I ended up, you know, had a great run, but I, I totally get what you're saying. Sometimes it's just <laughs> that, that, that piece. Um, another question is. Do you think that there's a critical speed for where CDA, this is a big misconception that that I've found over the years. So a lot of people say, hey, in order for any type of aero wheels or any type of aero gear, you know, you must be going 20 miles an hour. You must be going to a certain speed, which to me mm -hmm. is just absolute nonsense because you're, you're still getting an aero benefit. There mm -hmm. are certain things where if you're, you know, going uphill with a certain grade and you're... Um, you know, going a very, very slow. Sometimes it does make sense to stand up if you can get more power. Do you have any thoughts around sort of the, the break point for grade and speed when it comes to uh, optimizing your efficiency going uphill? Yeah. Uh, again, it's like real, real world uh, scenarios. Um, obviously, like if you're out the saddle, you're going to, going to be less aerodynamic. Uh, I yep. tested it for myself and I was like, uh, 0.08. I think it was different uh, from my seated position. Um, but I, that was seated position in a hill climbing fashion. So I was like set up quite bolt upright uh, as if I was climbing a hill. Because I, I, like I like to torture myself in the, uh, in the autumn with the hill climb season that we have here. Uh, yeah. So I wanted some numbers where I could um, simulate the courses of like, should I be stood up? Where, where should I stand up on the course essentially? Uh, so... What I'd I'm not going to be very good here because I'm, going to, I'm not going to give you the specifics because I think it's so individualistic to a the scenario of the hill. So like what you know, this is essentially why you spend all this time building an app for it because it's like if you uh, you know if you combine the hill with the, the weather at the time, plus then the individualistics of the athletes. So are they quite a slight build so do they when they stand up do they perform you know do they perform better aerodynamically than somebody a, a bit bigger um so really you kind of run the numbers really so what i'd suggest you do and you can be quite crude with these numbers because they're quite ballparky numbers because if you're out the saddle you're not you're not very um you know it's not as precise as when you've nailed your time trial took um, so you can be quite ballpark with these sort of things. So if you go, and I, as I found, I, I just I just went to my little testing loop, which is just a, a mile long, and I rode around it up on the hoods as if I was climbing a hill, and then I went around it torturously out the saddle um, for many laps uh, in the biggest gear <laughs> to try and get my out of the saddle number uh, because obviously the best thing is to have a loop and the hill can't be a loop because yep. you end up going down the hill before you, you finish the loop so i, I did this and it, yeah so it's a 0 0.08 and then so you can put so essentially if you in that scenario if you've got a hill you you segment put it into to windsock and then uh put in your seated number and then put in your uh out of the saddle number well uh, cda number and then look at that variance chart and you'll see where on that course you should be definitely sat and where you can actually be out the saddle because oh, the aeroness won't be better. But then you can start building things. So, okay, so what, if I'm out the saddle, I produce all this extra power. So that's also very individualistic. So you can build these two different virtual athletes 
one of you, how you perform out the saddle, so with your CDA out the saddle, and your best effort out the saddle for that particular hill. Yep. Um, uh, and then have a, a, a virtual athlete that also is set up as you in the saddle and your best effort up that hill seated, uh, which are very crucial numbers to know as an athlete. So if, if you put if you create these two virtual athletes, essentially race them together in, in Winsock and, and compare the, 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 the delta chart on there, and then you, you'll see precisely the nuances of the course, where you should be definitely back in the saddle, where you should be out the saddle, and that, that will hopefully... If you've uh, if you've got an event like that, then uh, you can lift some of the um, the, the lid on on where those performance gains can be found. Definitely, that makes that makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I think that, that and I want to kind of talk a little bit about that in, uh, as far as your plans go. What is it that you? What are the plans for my windsock? And 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 like you're saying, using this as predictive and descriptive, I think it's a really awesome tool. Um, how do the plans work at my windsock? So where we go from here with Windsock, is, is that your question? No, no, no. What, what are the plans? Like if I want to come in oh, and, and sorry. pay for the I, service. I, I thought you yeah, wanted yeah, yeah. my plans with my Windsock. No, uh, no, no. no. So I, I really can go into that. <laughs> like, uh, but the, uh, um, uh, yeah, so the, the, the payment plans for, so there's a lot that we give away for free. Yeah. Uh, so you will get, you know, you'll get a, a prediction for free and, and, and these sorts of things. So, it only it, it starts to cost when it starts to cost us um, really, and that's when we're, we're starting to do some of the higher level stuff. So we'll give you more finite weather data when you you upgrade. Um, we'll we'll also do some of the the things which uh, are you know if, if you're if uh, I don't know anybody on Strava that really isn't a segment hunter, but if you want some of the segment hunting <laughs> tools, uh, so if you want to. Be alerted for, for when your local hill is uh, it's got the wind in the best direction. Then those sort of things they are in the premium section. Uh, if you want to have some of the more in depth graphing tools, such as the the delta charts where you can do all these experiments and these sorts of things, then it it does cost. But we, we've kept it because I just want people to use the software. I, I keep the price quite low, uh, and it really is to to sort of mean that I can do this and I can and give this my 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 full attention um yep. so it's 999 um, british pounds which i think is, that's i think it's 12.49 us dollars for a year for for the light plan and that gives a whole year yeah yeah so uh, that, wow yeah so so this this will give you some of the you get a couple of wind socks which we call which is where you can go to a segment and you can uh um figuratively put a wind sock on it and it will it will uh, tell you when when the wind's blowing in the right di- direction, yep. and it it will put some the weather on uh, your efforts on segments. So it's not just the top ten leaderboard; you also get your own segment effort weather. So you can see the conditions for each of your efforts as well. Um, and then with the uh, the power plan, so th- that's really aimed at people which don't have power meters, because the next plan up really does go into more of the. The, the more serious stuff in terms of the race day preparation and the CDA analysis and all, all these things that we've been talking about today are really in, and that's twenty four ninety nine British uh, pounds, which are, I think twenty nine ninety nine US dollars uh, for the year. Uh, so they're the two plans. We have an unlimited plan as well, which is more uh, if you're a coach uh, and you've, or you, you're um, dealing with multiple athletes. Then that's probably the plan for you, and that's uh, uh, forty nine. Sorry, I should have had the prices in front of me, but uh, yeah, it's, it, that's about fifty British pounds, which so that'd be sixty US dollars, I think. That's extremely fair pricing, I think, for what you're, you. what you're providing. I think that that's like you say. I mean, sometimes engineers like you and I, we have a, a problem. We we make the product, and then sometimes the maybe the marketing side or the, co- the commercial side yeah yeah, yeah, yeah right? got, it's just fun to, to mix stuff you gotta feed yourself at the same time exactly exactly <laughs> well yeah. it, it, it's, it's really important i mean we we uh we we have everyone from the well we have the person that just goes out and smashes a, a few uh, koms or, or, or like the club rides and people enjoy it for, for the weather forecasting and stuff like that and then we have pro yep. teams also using it for for their analysis as well so we have this massive spectrum of, of cyclists and their sort of from all different abilities and it's just so rewarding to have created something that 
it it kind of spans all all um, abilities. You know, you've got yep. Tour de France winning teams uh, that, that uh, have you know have used it, uh, and then you've got so somebody that just wants to go out and uh, just not get blown off their bike. Uh, yeah, yep. so it's. It's, it's uh, fan- uh, fantastic, and as I say, you know, it's. I, I just want people to use the software. You know, it's uh, it's, it's, it's such a joy to be able to have. You know, my my. I say as, as, at the start, my obsession is, is part of uh, you know my work life as well. Well, that's great. That's great. And if people want to learn more about uh, my windsock, it's mywindsock dot uh, is it co dot uk or dot com? It's dot com. Dot com. com. All right. Excellent. Yeah. So they can head out there, check it out. Um, like I say, I, I, I heard about you through a guy that I work with who's a huge cyclist in the U.S., and he just raves about my windsock and how awesome it oh, is. So, oh, yep. Oh, so I figured I'd reach out. And, uh, <laughs> he's a user of yours. I'm sure he pays. Fantastic. Uh, a free subscription going his way. Oh, yeah. There you go. I'll have to let him know that. He'll be all excited about it. So we wanted to get that's, you on. Love all this sort of stuff. We're very engineer-focused here, and so... Um, Appreciate that. The, the the last question we always ask our guests is a what's called our what point question. Yeah. So we look at it uh, considering somebody has a 300 watt FTP, they're sort of of average fitness for themselves, average bike fit uh, technique. If they were to use my windsock and sort of do some of the um, descriptive stuff and the prescriptive elements and sort of compare things back and forth, how many watts do you believe you could sort of add to that FTP. You're not really adding to the FTP, but you're, you're basically making them more efficient. How many more, more watts from an efficiency? Yeah, yeah, reward do you think you could get for that same power? Oh, gosh. It's... Uh, uh, I find these questions very difficult because it's so individualistic. <laughs> uh, if somebody would have 300 uh, watt FTP and they were really tanking race day because they were just losing it in the week and you know pre-raced nerves and everything like that and they just go out the trap giving it all guns blazing and then die halfway through because they, they just didn't sort of maybe uh, immerse themselves a little bit in, in some of the uh, the stuff that we're doing, then, you know, that can cost you dearly. Um, somebody, somebody that's nailing it in terms of their mental preparation uh, can then learn a lot more about, you know, get be, be a little bit more, um, you know, go more into the, uh, less so much kind of like the calming the, the the chimp you know if you think of it like the chimp paradox of the, the that first rider to somebody that is maybe more about the plan and then you, you know they get they gain from them okay so I, I'm keeping that calm mind on race day I can now be in a position to execute a plan you know so I'm, there is this thing of going from the descriptive to the prescriptive so the, the, there's two very different um, scenarios there, and, and I just <laughs> I've, I've thought about this question, uh, how to answer it. The, the, what was interesting that we had um, the national hill climb here, and we ran the numbers for what the the winner we we thought the winner's time was going to be, and we, I think we were within a second of of the eventual time, and uh, that time could have been if if you completely screwed up the pacing. Uh, you know, you kind of turn the optimal pacing on its head. Uh, it, it would have cost the, the winner six seconds up the hill. So, you know, and, and that's, you know, in that sort of level of championship, uh, as it happened, Tom Bell absolutely wiped the floor with the rest of it. <laughs> well, let's say well, that's very, very unfair of me to, to everybody else, but but he, he put some distance um, uh, between him and everybody else. So it, but, but it, 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 you know, th- these sorts of things really do cost positions and, uh, yeah, so I, I can't. I'm not sure what six seconds up there would have been, um, but I mean, he's a athlete. Um, um, maybe that doesn't fit in the 300 watt category, but um, I, I find it very difficult to answer that question. I'm afraid, John. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So it could it could range. You know, maybe five percent, ten percent, depending on the athlete, uh, depending on. Uh, you know, maybe in that range, is, would that be a fair assumption? Assumption? Yeah, because I, I I looked at a twenty five mile time trial yesterday, and I, I looked at if if you up the power by like ten watts, you'd lo- lose a second here. No, sorry, you you would gain a second here, whereas on this other section you would lose a little uh, sort of second compared. You know, you you would 
sorry, not being very clear. Uh, the the variance, if you if you pay attention to the variance of of where that that energy is best spent, then there's many seconds to be found um, across those sorts of distances. Uh, so I guess you would look at that and say, you know, if they, you know, what's what's ten second on a, it's probably about ten watts into it, uh, that sort of thing on a ten seconds on a twenty five mile time trial. It's, um, so it's um, yeah, so it it's significant, I, I believe. Okay, excellent. Well, that's that's wonderful. <laughs> Listen, Ben, thank you so much for being on the show today. We definitely appreciate having you on. Um, we'll get this podcast out here in the, in the, to everyone to listen to and hopefully people check you out because I think what you're doing over there is, is really great stuff. So keep it up. Oh, thanks so much, John. I've really enjoyed it. All right. Well, you're very welcome. Thanks for listening to Faster. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. Leave a review or teach a friend what you learned today. For more great episodes on getting faster, subscribe to this podcast. While you're on your next ride, be kind to one another and ride safe. Thank you.